Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And we have the first episode of the new year. Happy New Year, everyone. This is episode 81. And today's show, we're going to talk about a history segment on the early days of auto racing. America's first road race, actually. But, but more importantly, yes. More importantly, what day is it? It's your birthday. It's my birthday. Happy birthday, Chris. Will you sing me happy birthday on the air? Happy birthday. Okay, that's enough. That's, I regret it immediately. <laughs> really? <laughs> immediately. Although the cutest thing ever was I went to my happy went to my daughter. Mr. Clewell. I went to my daughter and I said, Will you sing happy birthday to me before I leave? Sure. And she did. And it was the cutest, <laughs> most amazing thing ever. Anyway, let's uh let's get to it. What have you got for us? So uh, let's talk a little bit about what's been going on with us this week before we dive right in. What's What's been going on with us this week? Well, I've been doing hot rod stuff. Like, oh no, I saw the uh, <laughs> no, I saw the picture of your your deck lid hanging on the wall. Yeah, what? I got some new wall art. What are you doing? So I the deck lid on the car on my old 911 is actually very nice for the car. It matches. It's original. as the gold script. It is nice. Right, right. But I don't like the look of it. So I kept it nice and what I hung it up on the wall. What do you mean? What you I like? want is I want to like shave off all the emblems and stuff and like weld that closed and shot. But I'm obviously not going to do that to the original why, deck why, lid. Why? What's wrong with the way that it is? It's a stylistic choice, Chris. No, but why? Why don't you? Just, I don't know. I, I like okay. it. Let's let's be clear that you you just took the deck lid off your car right. and hung it on the wall so you can weld some shit and put it back on the car, and your doors are crooked. Right. No. So, so I'm getting a, a new deck lid in the mail. So right, like an aluminum one, or what did you end it's, up with? It's so it's kind of cool. It's an old deck lid I found that's kind of ratty, and it was on a race car, obviously, because it had like some stripes on it, but sure. it is orange. Okay, but here's the problem that I'm having, is that your car needs... I know, you're talking about priorities here. I'm talking about your priorities of the thing. Doesn't, that's no fun. doesn't always run right, and then your battery I like sucks. eating dessert before I get to the nutrition. You need to get the car to a body shop and get it straight before you start doing stuff like this. I'm fine. I'm fine. Let you me enjoy this car. You don't care that the doors are crooked. No, I'm going to get there. You, okay, but you're going to have a flashy deck lid first. Right. And it's you're going to have it painted, and it's not going to match. So you're going to have a really nice-looking deck lid on the car that doesn't match the paint on the car. I'm not going to paint then, it. I mean, oh, it will eventually. Okay, I also so have this, bumpers to do. So, so this is this is a... So now this is a deck lid that has patina on it <laughs> right. that you don't know if it matches or not. You're going to put it on the car right. and, not, and not do anything with all the other stuff that needs to be done. Well, I will, but also... Declid. But also no. But also declared. All right, great. So that's been going on. Um, as we know, it is your birthday, Chris. Oh, speaking of other things, did you know I won the Christmas challenge? You we announced did. this you did on win. you did win on Instagram, challenge. but we yes. never announced it on the show. Right, you did win the Christmas challenge, and I think that my my uh, my mic stand was so much better than yours visually. It had a ketchup thing on it. It it's, had it's obviously not what our listeners thought. No, but it also had a little ornament that said Jake, and I had way was, more lights, and it was cute. colorful, and it had garlands, and it had multiple garlands: silver, gold, and the tinselly garland. And I yep. think people just wanted to. They want me to wear the shirt. That's I think, part of it. I think I will. The, I will admit that's part of it. I think they want me to wear the shirt. I think yes. is what this is all about. So yeah. um, let's be. Let's just be clear. And I want you to admit to me that my mic stand was better, but the fans have spoken, and we're going to do what they want. But I want you to first to say that my mic stand was no. more festive. No, it wasn't. Yours was like an obese person shoving <laughs> Christmas cookies into its mouth, and mine was like a perfect little Christmas tree. No, mine was like it has the greenery on it, none yeah, of the but fake it, tinsel. But, but you, it, it, it collapsed under its own weight. It couldn't because it was so festive. It would, it was collapsed, collapsing under festivity. Yes, yeah, it was burdened on upon itself, in my opinion. Anyway, that's that's I don't know. I, that's it. Fine. I just wanted I'll, to announce on air that yeah, I won. You won. So you're going to be so attending if, every single car show this summer, saying, "Whoa, with whoa, 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 whoa." I said I, re- I would record the podcast on camera with wearing no, it, and I would wear it at cars and coffee. So okay. I, I'll do those two things. Okay. I, I can't wear it out that much. I'll wear it out. That wouldn't be any Oh, good. I'll make multiples. <laughs> <laughs> Your entire wardrobe. Can I have different colors? <laughs> sure, why not? Great. What's been going on with you? Uh, nothing. Nothing. Absolutely. Okay. I've done no car-related things whatsoever. I have, okay. other than still constantly dealing with 
you know, I'm trying to sell my snowmobile trailer and I'm trying to sell my Tahoe <laughs> and I'm just fighting the idiots of what's the lowest deal take. Some guy offered me $12,000 for it. I'm like, hey, man, trade in value on this thing is $15,000. Right. 15500 or whatever it is. Why would I take twelve? He's like, all right, man, 12500 Final <laughs> offer. I'm like, yeah, that's going to be your final offer because I just blocked you. It's right. Just, I don't understand. I don't know. I, I think the, the fact that they can just do it, there's no. Oh, yeah. You know, it's anonymous. They can exactly. be idiots. They're, so I'm still dealing with all of that. I've, what's the lowest you'll take? Someone's asking me if the car is, if the truck has features that never existed. Uh, it's just, <laughs> I don't know. It's, 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 oh, someone was like, does it have a backup camera? No, it does not have a backup camera, but it does beep if you're going to run something over. Sure. No, I have to have one with a backup camera. Okay, well, good luck. I, yeah. don't, I don't know what to tell you. So anyway, so it's been constant battles. And I've, been, and I've seen the problem is, is that I'm not going to buy something else until the truck is gone. Right. Okay. So I'm kind of waiting to see. So I've seen a lot of cars that I that I like, but I'm waiting to see if the truck will sell. What are you looking at? I'm looking at old Mercedes stuff. You'll okay. know that. So yeah. I want like a 190E or a someone uh, had a a red 240D like before the W123 chassis. Right. I don't know what that is, but it's like late 70s, okay. mid, mid to late 70s. It's cool. It's red and it's like mint condition. He's like, but it doesn't run. My guess is it doesn't run because they don't start well in the winter. So I'm guessing you can't get it started, but maybe I could redo With the glow plug circuit and, and get it going or put a block heater on it. And the, <laughs> it reminds me, I had a, when I first moved here, I had a, a Volkswagen Rabbit diesel. And this is the, this is the one that the corner of the block fell off. <laughs> Wasn't it JB welded on or no, something? It, was, it had a, the helicoil in it. Oh, but, okay. the, but the corner of the block fell off and it started spewing coolant everywhere. But that awesome. car, I, I would drive it in the wintertime and I'd have it plugged into a block heater. Right. And then I would drive to my job at Best Buy and I would plug it in. Uh, would, there was an outlet? No, out- sorry. I would plug it in at home. So right. it was on a block heater. And then I would drive to Best Buy yeah. and it would not be plugged in. Right. So then I would go in there and work. And if I didn't go out and start it every about 45 minutes or so. Seriously? I had to let it start and run every about 45 minutes or so. It would not start. And then I would just be stuck, and I would be stranded. And so would some to, guys are taking their smoke break every forty-five, and you're going out there, and well, it's also a smoke break because in, in, in a way, in a way, yeah, in exactly. a way, it was. So yeah, so that's that's a fair fair. You also of that. bought a new microphone, which our astute listeners may be able to pick up on yeah, because right. now you sound much better than me. I sound different. I don't know that I sound any better. I th- I think I just sound different, and I'm, I'm not used to it yet. I'm like, as I'm listening, it sounds different to me, and I'm struggling with it a little bit. Yeah. So bear with me. Right. Well, so um, before we get into our feature here, let's of course talk about Patreon.com. You can go to Patreon.com/slash/Overcrest. You can be the first to hear new episodes. Like if you're on Facebook right now, you could get this every single week because as soon as we record them, we put them up on Patreon for our Patreon subscribers. You can also be listening to the latest episodes wearing your Overcrest T-shirt, and actually, Chris, you can. Share Show it off this is, on Facebook. There, this one's custom. I made this, this one myself. Okay. This is, I bought a gray T-shirt. I can tell made, it's because we make all these. Yeah. So if you want a custom color or something, by all means, we can do that. That's yeah, true. This is, we this haven't announced a, that before. No, that's true. That's true. But, so we can make any color you want. If you sure. want a pink overcrest shirt, whatever, I'll order you one, and we'll and we'll do it up. Since the we, imprint is always this will be the same. But yeah. yeah. Um, and of course, if you go to the ten dollar a month subscription level, you can get a signed print by Chris. Absolutely. Um, and we want to connect with you, so hit us up, of course, on social media, Facebook, if you're listening right now. Chris, I don't know if you're watching the chat, if anyone's watching. I am. On Instagram as well. Dude, this guy says selling cars online is no different than online dating. That's probably... I haven't ever done online dating, I'm, but... I'm, well, I, that's how I met Jess, is I met, oh, her, really? online. Okay. I met her online. But um, I'm, I'm glad I don't have to do the swiping thing. Imagine if that's how you purchased a vehicle. Like no. if you're like, no, no, swipe no, left, swipe no, left, no, swipe left. Yes, that's actually a really good idea. And now it's it's recorded for our posterity that it's my idea. Okay. So if anybody steals Tinders for cars, Tinder for cars, that's a great plan. That like is, you could put like you a, know what? You it could would, put like a mark and be like Mercedes this price, and you could swipe through and then swipe yeah. right and like and just narrow it. And down. then the sellers would how would the sellers match with you though? Yeah, that wouldn't work because you're just looking for anyone that's going to buy the car. You know what it would be? Maybe though? you could just hold up like it would be a profile picture of yourself holding money. And then they would be like, whoever had the most money, they would like, they no, would swipe No, what about left. more of like, you know, Turo, the app where you can like uh, like yeah. rent your car out? What yep. if it's more for that? So you're like, oh, I landed in a new city, I need to rent a car, and you swipe yes, no through those. I, yeah, that might work, but th- to know. get a match... 
The whole point. I know. Is, the, point, I know. the point is to get a match. Right. There's something here. We'll work. have to figure this okay. out. We'll have to figure it out. Maybe there's maybe there's like a car profile of how many miles you drive a year. And if it's like somebody's like classic car, it's like, oh, that guy drives way too many miles. Or maybe you want a guy that actually drives a car. You're like, whoa, this guy drives a lot of miles. This guy really takes care of his cars and works on them. So I'm going to swipe okay. left on him. And then you match. Uh-huh. And then you guys are both. Um, you get together and you do the transaction. <laughs> you do the transaction. <laughs> That'd be a great tagline for Tinder. Yeah, yeah. You th- do the transaction. Do the transaction. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, and once more, we'll just say that if you like this podcast, your friends will too. Yep, so absolutely. spread the word, uh, rate us on iTunes. And you know, if you have a favorite episode that we post up on Facebook, share it. Yeah, let us know. Absolutely. All right. This is our history story for the week. Okay. I'm excited about this. This is America's first auto race okay i'm ready for this <clears throat> so it was when did fast and the furious came out that's what that was the yeah that was the first one that was like the first of the street racing scene right there's nothing existed before that i'd make a reference later okay let's do <laughs> I'm it i'm glad you prefaced that all right so uh before i begin there's an old saying that the first auto race probably occurred the first time two cars lined up right so it's almost as if you would never know when the first race was however as it turns out we actually know exactly when the first official auto race happened it might even be the first race ever because at the time, how many cars were there actually? You know, there's like a, just a handful of dudes right. with cars. And true, the first thing you'd want to do is if Bob's got the steam this and this other guy's got the battery powered this, you know, whatever. The, you're going to make a big deal of it. You're going to make a big deal of it. You're going to go to the town square, run over a bunch of horse shit mm-hmm. and try and see. And then, then remember that one guy? No. And, okay. So way back in the day, we did a, <laughs> I, did a hit, I did a history episode. Okay. And I don't remember what it was. Exactly, but the guy went on a race and fell off, broke his leg, and died because he broke his. You remember this? No. There was a German guy, and he was doing like some target race in his in his like little hoopty whatever we call it, and he fell off, broke his leg, and then died because. And then he continued the race on. I remember he, the guy at the World's Fair that broke his leg and he died, died because, of gangrene oh, because he was steering out of the way of the dog. Remember? Well, that's a different one. I think we're getting our history straight. No, no, no. Up. This guy steered out of the way of a dog, fell off, broke his leg, and died later on. That's right. Yeah. And we don't know if the dog died or not. I'm guessing the dog survived. Well, it's that's all we care depending about. Depending if it was worth the <laughs> sacrifice or not. <laughs> so, anyways, back to our first race ever recorded. The first prearranged match of two self-powered road vehicles over a prescribed route occurred at 4.30 a.m. on August 30th, 1867. No. Over a distance of eight miles. Why are we doing this at 4.30 in the morning? Because it's illegal. What are they going to do? Are they going to come? Is some sheriff going to come riding up on his horse? Please stop. Please stop. Just, just wait. So they had it at 4.30 in the morning? Yes. Okay. Okay. Imagine this, though. Imagine 4.30 in the morning. You're out in your, like, whatever car this is. I'm imagining it being something with lanterns hanging on the front. Okay. You can't see. It's 4.30. The roads are garbage. It's summer. It's 4.30. So okay. it's, you know, it's Four, dawn. Barely, barely dawn. You got headlights. Twilight. You've got like one can. Literally, probably have two candle power. Right. Probably candles yeah. in there. So you have two candle power trying to race on some rutted, shitty roads <laughs> in the middle of nowhere at four thirty in the morning. And it's so eight that miles. The, so like, that that's the, not a short little drag race. So the constable doesn't come and get you. I'm guessing right. he was a constable. He was a constable, I would imagine, because the route was between the two towns of. Ashton Underlin and Old Trafford near Manchester, England. Of course, this was England. Yes. Uh, one thing we don't know, however, is who the world's first would be street racers actually were. You see, in the reports, they did not indicate who was driving since both were into violating what were then known as red flag laws. Red flag. What about checkered flag laws? Just wait. Okay. These red flag laws were laws enacted by uh, in the late 19th century in both the US and the UK. They required drivers of early cars to take certain safety precautions, precautions, including waving a red flag in front of the vehicle as of warn as a warning, hence the name. So, so you had to like literally wave like if you're driving on the street you have to wave a flag in front of the so car. So much worse than you think. Okay. <laughs> so yes, the Locomotive Act of 1865, also known as the Red Flag Act, stated, "Quote: Firstly, at least 3 persons shall be employed to drive or conduct such locomotive, and if more than 2 wagons or carriages are attached thereto, an additional person shall be employed who shall take charge of such wagons or carriages." Secondly, one of such persons, while any locomotive is in motion, shall precede such locomotive on foot by no less than 60 yards and shall carry a red flag constantly displayed and shall (laughs) warn the riders and drivers of horses and the approach of such locomotives and shall signal the driver hereto of 
which shall be necessary to stop and shall assist horses and okay. carriages oh. drawn by horses <laughs> passing the same. Okay, so basically you have to wave this flag if like if anybody's 60 coming. yards. So no, so we're on our locomotive steam machine thing. It's okay. like this. Yeah. And we have to have our buddy 60 yards ahead of us with a red flag going like this, telling everyone to get out of the way. Because this thing is so dangerous and hellbent. Everyone doesn't like it. This, Nobody likes this thing. You can't even get guys to put a flag on the board sticking out of their truck <laughs> as they drive from Home Depot, let alone I know. Get and a guy you had to have stand. three people if you had a wagon on the side of it or on the back of it. They were that scared. Imagine here, this would the guy that got run over by the Volvo, the Uber driver, if they would have had someone waving a flag in front of it, 60 yards Same ahead, thing. she might have survived. See, we yep. need to bring red flag logs back. So the red flag law in the UK weren't repealed until 30 years later in 1896. The US passed a flurry of similar... Wait, wait, wait. So how long was this? When did this pass? It was 30 years 30 of red years. flag laws. I wonder if that was a job. Like, you're like that. yes, I've, I've been a red flagger for this many years. <laughs> you know, I'm very good. I've got good, uh, I've got good stamina because I have to run everywhere you go. <laughs> I'm a long-distance runner. <laughs> I'm a long-distance runner. <laughs> they were all probably from Zimbabwe, so they could all, like, uh, Ethiopia. That's okay, where all the, like, okay. So they're running, these little dudes running with their little red yeah, flags. Yeah, you're like, a flagger. Yeah, yeah, that yeah was, I'm a flagger. I wonder if they went, uh, if there was any sort of, like, flaggers union or... Oh, oh maybe. Okay. I don't know, this, is, this is like, well, it's, I don't know. I won't get into it. Anyways, the That's US... That's way before unions. Yeah, I was getting at that. So the U.S. passed a flurry of similar red flag laws as well. Wait, wait, so here's the question. Yes. What happened to, that, make, this? to make the law... Import, something had to have happened. Yes. Right. Somebody got run over or or somebody's legs got chopped off by some wooden wheel. Or- the thing is, these things are so noisy and stinky. And it's basically a steam locomotive that happens to be able to go anywhere and not just on tracks. Right. So you think about like it causes chaos and cacophony. Anywhere it goes down the street. So why do you need a red flare if this thing is making that much Good noise? Good point. Yeah, you should be able to hear it coming from that far away. 60 yards away, you definitely hear it. Yeah, and you would could think be, so. They have a whistle, right? A little horn, I'm a little sure whistle. I'm sure they have a whistle if they're steam-powered. What's the point of this? Re- I don't so know. I'm just, I want to know what happened because there was. there's no laws usually, usually. Nobody passes a law until uh-huh. something happens. Right. And then once something happens, and they say, "Okay, we okay, better, well, we better get this under control." Right. You know, it's kind of like the wild, wild west of everything that's going now with electric cars. Right. There's no laws until someone dies, and then all of a sudden there's a law about you can do this or you can do that. Right. And you know, certain municipalities that allow the testing are starting to create laws as people get run over by these things. So, but before that, nothing. Wild, wild west. You know, it's the it's the red flag of the. I don't know. So what happened? I don't know. All right. We have to figure it out. I mean, yeah, but okay. So here, this might give a clue because so that was in the UK, and we know the US passed some similar laws. The most infamous was enacted in Pennsylvania, circa 1896, when legislators unanimously passed a bill through both houses of the state legislature, which would quote require all motorists piling their horseless carriages upon chance encounters with cattle or livestock to one immediately stop the vehicle, and two, immediately and as rapidly as possible, disassemble the automobile. (laughs) And number three, conceal the various components out of sight behind nearby bushes until equestrian or livestock is sufficiently pacified. I go no. Okay, so here's what happens. Apparently, horses are so damn scared you're, of these you're dri- things. You're driving your steam, your horseless yes. carriage. Yes. Let's run through this. And then some guy comes around the corner. He's riding his horse. He's he's or he's got. Let's say he's got a wagon. Okay. You know, he's got his. He's up on the top or whatever, and he's got his little reins. Yep. You have to stop you immediately. Have to stop immediately and disassemble <laughs> the whole thing. Take it apart. <laughs> I can and then hide the parts. I'm just. You ama- have to hide the parts behind the bush. I would just drive into the closest cornfield. <laughs> So I couldn't be seen. <laughs> How is, ridiculous is that? Do we know what the fine was for any of this? Was there well, like a, a thankfully a f- the law never took effect due to a veto by the state's governor? Okay, but the fact that they proposed that—I just can't <sighs> imagine someone saying, "Well, these things have, are so terrible." So not only is so no, there's a whole economy surrounding these cars. <laughs> you now. need so your red you, flag. You need your red flagger, and you need a you need at least you three need or four team of three mechanics. or four mechanics to disassemble the thing right. on the spot. And there are probably other guys carrying bushes to hide all the parts behind bushes because that's part of the law for some reason. Maybe they. Maybe, here's what they. Here's what I would do to circumvent this. <laughs> I would stop the steam carriage and I would have a giant tarp that you just cover the whole thing. Sure. 
And then you could have like maybe like a little plastic window on it. You could see through. Put bushes all around, like fix some camouflage your carriage as a bush. A ghillie suit for your car. Yes, (laughs) I like it. Okay, is this what horse blinders are for? Right, right. I mean, don't we have? But here's the thing. What they are really loud. So if you are going by horses, they might freak out. Here's the other thing. They might bolt. I know, but think of all the pressure under these steam engines. You can't just take apart a boiler. No, you can't. Like you have to let that boil down or release. The pressure, you the pressure through the and that's going to be horn. even louder than anything else. Yeah, it's going to be the world's loudest tea kettle going off right next to these horses. <laughs> Sorry, sir, I'm trying to disassemble my carriage per the law. Yeah, so it, it never took effect, and we'll get back to our first outlaw street race here. So they have the red flag laws, yeah. so we don't. It's not recorded who was actually driving. Okay, um, it was won by the carriage owned by Isaac Watt Bolton a British engineer and founder of the locomotive hire business known as Bolton's Siding. So this is the guy that started the trend of not um, driving his own cars and paying someone else exactly. to drive it. So this guy's the problem. Is he a problem? He's a problem. You got to drive your own car, hire, okay. hiring people. I don't know. It's like any race team out I there. Know, the owner isn't the driving. That's true. That's true. But anyways, so his, his business is known as Bolton's Siding, which is a locomotive for hire business. Which you think that'd be like aluminum siding business if it's called? You know what's kind of what's kind of great though is they call them locomotives at one time. I know because just it's based on just, the term locomotion, which yes. is just basically a mechanical thing moving. Right, I like that. So, anyways, just because his it was his car doesn't mean he was driving it. Wait, as a, we wait said. a second. Wait a second. Where did the word car come from? Carriage. Oh, carriage. Yeah, yes, sir. okay, that makes sense. I thought it was going to be more complex nope, than that. Nope, it's <laughs> character. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, some suggest it was actually driven by his 22-year-old son, James Bolton. Ooh, but of course, we don't have it recorded, so we never got in trouble. Uh, the car was supposedly one of six he was said to have run over the years. So apparently Mr. Bolton was kind of an early he was Fast quite the and Furious aficionado, type. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, Fast Furious type. Our competitor, so of course the guy he's racing, was a carriage made by Daniel Adamson. And we don't know who was driving this carriage, but we do know it was built and owned by one Mr. Schmidt, who may or may not have been driving this sure. vehicle. So, as you might expect, the first motor race in recorded history was a big event being recorded in the papers and press at the time. So, they have the press is there. Was there any spectators or? No, I don't get it. So but, it's four thirty. Guys, this was like this was a blip in all the history I found. Okay, so here's the thing though: is the it, imagine four thirty in the morning, England. Okay, we're right. we're probably out in a pasture somewhere, but this had to have. It's very quiet. <laughs> You're right. <okay? laughs> and then they fire this thing up. They fu- <laughs> yeah, this, they must have been extremely loud, and I'm sure it woke up a and bunch of people. You can see black smoke billowing and oh, everything yeah. else. And oh yeah. See, like, what so was th- that was the whistle, <laughs> okay. but from a distance, Chris. Right, right. Yeah, okay. So that's actually not our main story. So that oh, was okay. the first recorded race. Now that we've spent 23 minutes not talking about the main but story. Our main story, <laughs> we have to fast forward a couple years to 1871 and hop across the pond to the good old U.S. of A. More specifically, the greatest state in the Union. Minnesota. Wisconsin. Uh, well, I was born We're there. We're both from Wisconsin. I was born there. So, so I thought I'll, you'd... Yeah, okay. I appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. That's a big F you to California. <laughs> <laughs> so in Wisconsin, 1871, uh, there was a physics professor at the Wisconsin State University in Madison, uh, John Wesley Carhart, which I wanted to look up if that's where... If any relation to the Carhart clothing line? Probably not. I didn't a physics professor inventing blue collar clothing. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think that's how well, it works. What he did do is he designed and built a steam powered buggy. He nicknamed it Sparky. I don't know why, because there's, there's no, no electricity <laughs> electricity at all. But it was powered by a two cylinder steam engine and was the first self propelled vehicle in the state. Carhartt's machine was such a big deal, it actually inspired. So the did he design this thing himself? He designed it and built it okay. somewhere. In, in Madison. Name anything from anyone you know, anyone. Okay. It could be anybody. Okay. Let's even go like two people removed. Like you know a guy who knows a guy okay. that completely designed, built, and operated a thing. Anything. 
Right, I know what you mean, because the closest I was going to say is like, oh, Chris Rungi designs and builds his own cars, but not the engines, right. not the components. Right, this guy designed, like, and, well, maybe he got the steam engine from someone else. That's true. You know, we don't and really know. And the wagon know. wheels, I'm sure he stole off some other carriage. So Yeah, I guess that's probably true. But in general, maybe Chris is the only person we know right. that does anything even remotely Which is close. a testament to how amazing that is. Yeah. So... Yeah, this Carhartt guy, it was such a big deal in making this that it actually inspired the Wisconsin legislature to pass an 18 legislature there you go. to pass an 1875 act authorizing the payment of $10,000 reward to quote any citizen of Wisconsin who shall invent and after 5 years continued trial and use produce a machine propelled by steam or other mo- motive agent which shall be a cheap and practical substitute for the use of horses and other animals on the highway and farm. Okay. So the legislature's like, that thing's sweet. Let's do this. Let's, like, get the economy going. We're going to offer a reward for the first person to do it. All right. So this is basically where all of this started. This is the whole. I don't know what you're talking about, Chris. Yeah, I'm sure you don't. This is the whole subsidy to make new technology thing that just has gone on and on and on. So the act was later amended, removing the five year continual trial and use requirement because that was really ambiguous. Like, what does that mean? So in place of this. The act required contestants to compete in a 200-mile route at not less than five miles per hour and required that any machine to be able to function both forward and reverse. Okay. So it's got to be the reverse. That's, you know, that's adds gotta a whole other. Got to have a gearbox yeah. now, right? But that made it so much more cool. Now it's not just a state stubs- subsidy. It's a state-sponsored race. I like it. Right? So competing machines would also be put through a series of trials, including plowing, like on the field, and pulling loaded wagons with appointed state representatives in attendance to verify performance. <laughs> what's, what's their benchmark? I don't know. <laughs> verify? What are they verifying? I don't yep, understand. that pulled something. <laughs> yeah. So on July 16th, 1878, that's three years after they set the gauntlet down, the contesting vehicles lined up in Green Bay, Wisconsin for the start of the highly anticipated race. The 200-mile course had been laid out running south from Green Bay to Appleton, then Oshkosh, Wapon, Waterton, and Fort Atkinson and Janesville, then turning north and ending up in Madison. Wait, this is a long race. 200 miles. Yeah, that's that's pretty serious. It's 200 miles. I thought miles. this was going to be like a quarter mile. No, 200 miles. On horse roads, horse trails, right. basically. Yes, you're right. Not great infrastructure right. at the time, but I included Wisconsin. All the, I, still not well renowned for the quality of their roads. <laughs> Good point. I included all those names because you and I would recognize them, or yeah. you probably would yeah, more I than I. I recognize no one else those. Does. Basically, it's coming from uh, up by the finger of Wisconsin, where Green right. Bay is, all the way down to Madison. Yep, I mean, exactly. it's a pretty serious haul. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a big trip today in a car. And the topography is interesting because south of Green Bay, it's all the kettles and moraines. So there's okay. a lot of hills, so a lot of valleys. Elevation. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of elevation changes on your way. Interesting. Okay. So six machines originally registered for the race, but only two actually competed. So we have the Oshkosh and the Green Bay, as they were known, referred to by the town they hailed from. Well, I guess that's very not creative at all not at all no i'd rather have (laughs) sparky Sparky? (laughs) exactly so the oshkosh described at the time by the post crescent of appleton as a queer looking thing was a 12 horsepower two-cylinder unit with a vertical boiler okay yeah i understand that okay the green bay daily state gazette provided further details so when i when vertical boiler means that you know, when you normally see like an old train, the right. boiler the train is, is the boiler is that. This thing is upright. Upright with the with the fire, with the underneath. fire underneath. Yes, okay. Exactly. So what's the do we know what the benefit of having a vertical boiler versus a horizontal boiler? I think it's is? more compact. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, then another news source, the Green Bay Daily State Gazette, provided further details noting the Oshkosh had engine cylinders of six inches in bore and eight inches in stroke. Wow. It weighed 5,000 pounds. <laughs> I'd like to see what one of these pistons looks like. I can't imagine. Yeah. So the design of the Oshkosh was attributed to six men. Mr. Battis and Mr. Morse ran their own boiler shops, so that's where they came in. Mr. Ferrand was the steam engineer for the Oshkosh Fire Department. So now here's the thing, is that all these people that are doing all this steam stuff, right. industry runs on steam at this time. Right. So, I mean, you've got anything from, like, uh, like 
textile mills to manufacturing to everything. It's right. all run That's by your steam. Only... Huge pulleys and belts and steam. I mean, this is making boilers is a huge thing back then. Yeah. And it's a big deal. It's your only form of power. Right. That's it. There's no electricity. There's nothing else. It's that and then like hydro, like old water mills. Right. Right. So, yeah. So you have all these guys that come together. Battis and Morris, they had their own boiler shops where they make the boilers. Mr. Fran was the steam engineer for Oshkosh Fire Department. I don't know why the fire department has steam engines. Well, how else are they going to get to where the burning house is? Yeah, but cars aren't a thing yet, Chris. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I don't know. <laughs> well, I, they probably had some sort of boiler thing. Oh, here's why. why. They had to respond to the fires that had to deal with boilers. Because oh, there's a lot true. of fires and explosions and stuff like that. That's a good so point. So the fire department's got to be ready sense. to respond. Okay. And then we have Mr. Gallagher, who ran a successful lumber operation. Mr. Schomer, who contracted wood sawing. And Gallagher and Schomer also had a partnership in another enterprise selling McCormick reapers and mowers. So they sell equipment. Basically. I, I like the, the, the concept of they're still selling reapers for, for the I farming. Know. Yeah. So Mr. Gallagher apparently was something of an inventor. In 1931, so much later, uh, the Milwaukee Journal credited Gallagher with the invention of the modern mechanical differential. Okay. In the article, Gallagher claimed he invented the differential specifically for the Oshkosh years earlier, and he took credit for the Oshkosh inspiration as well. So I'm, I'm imagining him driving this steam engine around and his, it's going... <laughs> he's like, I wish there was a way... What? Boy, this thing is high performance. It's really being slowed down by the chunking as I'm trying to go around yeah. the corner. By the solid axle. <laughs> so Gallagher, who was 84 years old at the time, told the journal, In the summer of 1876, I built an engine for threshing. And the next spring, John Morse, who had foundry here, and I determined to build another and make a claim for the award. It took us 60 days to get her ready. 60 days? They did it in two months. To, from scratch? Yes. Well, here's, we have to, these are very simple Very machines, rudimentary. So, but they're based on very advanced steam technology. Okay, so the, the way that steams, like I said, steams everywhere. So these machines are put on, they basically have to build the chassis and make the wheel turn, which is all that steam engines right. do to begin with is turn conveyor belts, they turn pulleys, they turn whatever they need to turn. So they just needed to find a way to like retrofit this giant steam so thing. So they have the boilers, they have the pistons. They have everything already. So they're just, they're just putting, putting it on a car. So 60 days, the only well, pretty they crazy. gearboxes, rudimentary, I'm sure, for some sort of transmission of power. It's in probably a some sort of crash box back then where you just, you just right. shove it in there and make it go. So yes, the Oshkosh was fairly, we'll call it simple. Right. The Green Bay, the competitor on the other end of the spectrum, was quite advanced featuring four-wheel drive, four-wheel steering, and a three-speed transmission. Wow, that's like the Mitsubishi 3000 GT. That is. I don't know why that's the first <laughs> thing that came to mind. I suppose four-wheel steering. Yeah, it had the, four-wheel okay. ste- the VR4 or whatever. It wasn't no, a VR- uh, VR4 also had it. And then the, yeah, there was a 3000 GT. There's the Galant VR4, which is the predecessor to the Evo. And they had four-wheel steering. And were they all-wheel drive, too? Yes, they yeah, were. Yeah, there you go. This yeah. technology's already been invented. Boom. We thought it was le- groundbreaking at the time, but no. No, back to 18, what are we, 80-something, 60-something. Uh, the two-cylinder machine was said to weigh in excess of 14,000 pounds. So so he's making it a little more complex and so adding a little bit two, of weight. Two completely separate concepts. Exactly. Right. Okay. Yeah. So how is this one different than the the one that was built in 60 days? Uh, uh, so let me go down the list here. Horsepower was unknown on this one. They didn't list horsepower. How do they measure horsepower of a steam engine? I, I suppose I, it's the old school, like, how much work can it do per time, right? Yeah, I guess that's how they had to have measured it because it would have been easy with such a Put it low. on the dyno. <laughs> Well, maybe they did a certain amount of work, and they just put a horse next to it, and they're like, okay, well, we've got 12 horses, and it's doing about the same, so it must be about, you know, 12 horsepower. Right. I'm sure it was just the the mathematical way of of doing it. There, I'm releasing a little bit of steam. You went from Red Bull to beer? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. From an upper to a downer. (laughs) (laughs) I like beverages, Chris. All right. um, So the Green Bay's Daily State Gazette stated, Quote, without the slightest prejudice whatsoever, it is pronounced a perfect curiosity by the best mechanics that look at it. It exhibits the most curious specimens of ingenuity, the ingenuity of puzzling movements and complications rather than simplicity and mechanical economy. So basically, they're in a very flowery language. They're saying this thing's very complex. Most mechanics can't even figure out what's going on when they look at it. 
Um, I'm all just imagining four all kinds of brass lines all over the place and yeah. dials and steam there pressures. Are, and... uh, there are photos of it that okay. I can show you later. All four wheels are on sort of ball and socket joints because they're all four-wheel steering member, and each turns in and out independently of the axle. The boiler is horizontal, and the general outline with cab and all is much like a miniature railroad locomotive. Instead of propelling with an endless chain, as the Oshkosh did, the... Wait, no. Yeah, as the... Which one's the Green Bay? I can't get these straight. But anyways, one of them has a chain. This one has a reduction from the cylinders by succession of gears. Okay. So it's an actual gearbox. Gear-driven. Yep. Okay. It's a massive and homely extreme. That's why it's heavy. You're right. How the huge cast iron gearbox to handle all that torque from a a steam engine. I wonder how much torque they did have. If it had 12 horsepower, did it have like 250 pound-feet of torque? Probably. Or more? Because, I mean, it's, it's... well, just think of the bore on that thing. Yeah, you're you're. That's you know a what lot I mean? Of energy. Yeah. yeah, when you have like twelve inches total bore, I mean yeah. that's yeah, you got a lot of torque there. Uh, from the start, Cowler's Green Bay suffered one mechanical failure after another. I bet it did. It's complex. Keep in mind, it just seems like, the vehicle just like owning a three thousand GT probably looks <laughs> like exactly. It seems the vehicle was too complex for its own good, ahead of its time in a way. An injector failure. What? An injector, An injector failure. failure kept the Cowles machine from even making it out to Green Bay on the first day. I'm wondering what and the ended inje- up traveling by where, rail. Where gosh, would an injector gosh. be on this? I Something don't with like know. The, the Is it like the water injection for the steam, the boiler? Yeah, because you have to constantly add water. After you bleed pressure off, you need right. to add more water again. That's the only thing I could think of. But when I said injector, like I think first thing you think of is a fuel injector. Yeah, obviously like, that's not. Wait it. a minute. So uh, they had to basically bring it to Oshkosh by rail because it couldn't make it there for the start because of this. And while mechanical failures plagued the Green Bay, the Oshkosh generally performed flawlessly. Simple. Uh, Quote, Both machines were going along finally when the Oshkosh turned out of the road and undertook to pass the Green Bay machine. Oh, yeah. Here we go. In doing so, a wheel on the loaded wagon dropped into a hole which broke the log chain which attached the lumber wagon to the road wagon. A toggle was made. So they were at the time towing something. Towing a lumber wagon. Correct. A toggle was made, and the next start, which was something of a jerk, broke a pin somewhere about the machine, which necessitated sending it to the shop for a new one. So they just, obviously, some jarring thing, yep. a clevis pin of some sort, exactly. just broke. So uh, the trials of speed at the fairground this afternoon resulted in a total failure for the Green Bay machine. She was totally unable to make a mile without stopping either for want of steam or from heated journals. The general opinion is expressed heated, that the Green heated. Bay machine cannot reach Madison in the required time should she start out. Okay, are we talking heated journals like the bearings in the... That's what. That's the only thing that came to mind for me, like too. Like the motor was seizing up from overheated bearings? I don't, well, you, this it's thing not even be. a motor. All you have is a piston moving slowly. You know what I mean? Well, there's still like a bearing that's there that's driving a crankshaft of some sort. Right, but it's not like something. you're running at 10,000 well, no, RPM. No, exactly. That's, it's probably like 75 RPM or right. something like that. Yeah, I don't understand what the journals could be. I don't either. But Jay Leno knows. <laughs> yeah, because he probably has one of these. But they overheated. So, again, way too complex. Six days after the start of the race, at 11 p.m. on Saturday, the Oshkosh arrived in Madison, winning the race. As the only car to, to get there. It, yeah, the other one didn't get there. Yeah. Uh, the official rules required a working speed of no less than five miles per hour, giving the Oshkosh 40 hours to complete the 200-mile route. The Oshkosh traveled 201 miles, and its official time of 33 hours, 27 minutes, gave it an average running speed of six miles an hour. Six miles an hour. It well, made that, it, baby. That's like a horse trotting, basically. Right. So the Oshkosh finished alone and ahead of schedule. It was the clear winner. However, the story doesn't exactly have a happy ending. Okay. Race commissioners met after the race to discuss the awarding of the prize, but failed to reach a consensus. Why the guy? The other thing didn't even finish. It had to be brought. It had to be brought. It's like a show car that gets towed somewhere. You always think a little bit less of a show car that gets towed. To You're the right, show. and that's exactly what happened with that one. According to the diary of one commissioner, George Marshall, the governor did not want to award the ten thousand dollars to the Oshkosh, having been disappointed by the performance of both machines. Well, what s- are you? What's the what's the barometer of comparison? What are we comparing it to? If you look back at the original 
contest. Before they made it a contest, they just said, like, oh, it has to travel and you have to do five years of prep and everything. It says it was looking for a, quote, cheap and practical substitute for the use of horses. And this one so, went six miles an hour, total logging rig. What I mean, what are we... Because of this, commissioners wanted the Oshkosh crew to split the prize money with the Green Bay crew because they both, I don't know, contested in it. They, and ju- they just couldn't. They, didn't. they refused. They were like, no, we're not going to split our money that we were promised with the losers, with the, the clear guys, losers. Clear, clear losers, right? So in this, this was a big deal. It went on for a while. The editorial in the Appleton Post lashed out against the commissioners, calling for the Oshkosh crew to receive their due reward. The refusal to award the money apparently hinged on the machine's supposed impractical nature. So the whole point of the state putting out this 10 The grand, thing made it 200 miles. These man, dudes must have been pissed. Can you imagine? $10,000 in the 1800s? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. So the matter was ultimately deferred to the next legislative session, which voted to give the Oshkosh crew $5,000. However, $1,000 of that still went to the Green Bay crew. Quote, it galled us like thunder, Gallagher exclaimed in 1931, looking back. I bet it did. That's, ooh. <laughs> I, bet, I wonder if, like, the legislature kind of had buyer's remorse. They're like, oh, yeah, we're going to give $10,000 away. This is going to be great. We're going to have this. this and thing it, showed up, and, and it, it wasn't w- as revolutionary or it wasn't as great. And there was only two. Right. So it was like, well... We thought this was going to be better. Now we have to give them exactly what it was. Exactly what it was. Gallagher returned to the lumber business, but one of the other Oshkosh teammates, Morse, manufactured and marketed perhaps six more of these engines. According to a pamphlet for steam road wagons circulated by Morse, these later engines, available in 12, 14, and 16 horsepower versions, were effectively identical to the Oshkosh machine. But, alas, the dominance of the integral combustion engine was right around the corner at this time, and the great race of 1878, as it came to be known, became but a blip in history. But amazing, anyway. It was this, this, I thought the, it was a very interesting story. Yeah, it was very great. I enjoyed hearing about the red flag laws. I still can't wrap my <laughs> mind around the entire economy that surrounds the red flag laws. I know, and if uh, Pennsylvania would have passed that law where you have to disassemble your whole carriage. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you would definitely want something like a Yugo and not something like... There you like, go. Could you imagine... Very simple. Just for the sake of uh, theatrics, imagine that being around now. Right. <laughs> Uh, no, I can't. Like <laughs> trying to disassemble like some. I'm also like when I read that the first time, I didn't think about other people traveling. I thought of like going by a horse pasture or Basically, something. Basically, this law or, like, was metal. Okay, let the, they knew the law was completely impractical. Right, you had to know this law was meant to kill the industry. Exactly. There was some sort of like lobbyist or something like that in Pennsylvania. There was maybe some like uh, what what would it be like people that do horses? I don't know. They. Um, breed, a breeder. Sure. Okay, so there's probably like a breeder or something like that that had a, a lot of clout, knew some senators, hey, we need to we need to put a stop to this right now or right. I'm going to lose out on a lot of money. Or maybe it was like the blacksmith industry or something. Yeah, no, you, it was like, obviously something against uh, the newfangled. Yeah, well, nice job. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you. We'll take a, a quick break here maybe and then uh, get to our next section. We have some special voicemails for you, Chris. All right, sounds good. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. I'm not sure exactly what is going on now, but... So, as we alluded to before, it is, of course, Chris's birthday. So, we have a bunch of voicemails from our listeners wishing you a happy birthday. So, I'm just going to run down the list here, Chris. Okay, sounds good. Let's do it. Hey, Christopher. uh, It's Aaron here. I just wanted to wish you a very, very happy birthday. And uh, hopefully, you get to spend time with the people that you love. And I wish you another uh, year of uh, health and happiness. So talk to you soon, man. Bye. You're with me, who you love. That's so. Right. That's what. Counts. So you know. I, so I. I you, here's how I know I'm getting old, and that my health and happy. Well, my health, my happiness is fine. But the health is kind of like. Uh-oh. You can feel. Um, the kids were dancing in the basement, <laughs> and like just like dancing with like dance party stuff. And I used to be able to do the worm. Like really, really oh, well. Yeah. You know the thing. Oh yeah, you do no, that I know. Is, yeah, I used to be able to do that really, really, really well. Okay. And I tried to do it, and I had like a seizing pain. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, unlike the first undulation of it, <laughs> really I was good. like, like <laughs> need to stretch before those dance moves. I guess I, but I'll never try it again. I felt like I was gonna die. So that's how I knew that I was. That All was right. It. Next voicemail. Hey, Chris. This is your 
favorite brother-in-law and some little boy just calling to tell you happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. Oh, that's awesome. But you're not a little boy. <laughs> that is my daughter, Veronica. A big girl. Oh, yeah. So me and a big girl just wanted to say happy birthday. That's awesome. Happy birthday. <laughs> I love you. Bye-bye. Oh, that's Bye-bye. awesome. Wait for it. Why wasn't he talking? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Voicemails are confusing, Veronica. <laughs> hey, Chris, it's Chad. Just wanted to call and wish you a happy birthday. Uh, it's, uh, I know it's a little bit early. You'll get it tomorrow morning. I would assume when you get into the store. But I uh, wanted to wish you a happy birthday, and um, we'll see you for our Friday night at HOT. So for people that don't know, I hang out with Chad and a bunch of other guys every night. Friday night, we go to the shop, hang out, make fun of each other, eat food that's really, really bad, <laughs> pretend we're going to work on things, watch <laughs> dumb videos on the Internet. And we've been doing it for, I don't know, it's probably for me, those guys have been doing it a lot longer than me. Oh, really? But I've been doing it for about, I don't know, 10, 15 years now. Do you know? And we just hang out at the shop. It's like I, it's, it's my, almost my favorite thing to do is just go out and hang out with these guys. I don't have to. I, I don't have to be someone I'm not. I don't have to try to prove anything. It's just right. it's just the core. Yeah, group. it's comfortable it's, and it's a cool. Yeah, it's it's cathartic. I, I love those guys. You know what's funny? I went. He had like an F1 viewing party or something. Like you said, it's been going on 15 years. It had to have been 12 years ago. Sure. And I was there. Okay. And I remember a friend brought me there and like knew some other people. And I like vaguely remember seeing you there because yeah. I knew of you. Yep. And it's just a funny memory to think about. Back to that. Yeah. Anyways, back on topic. Hey, Chris. This is Chrissy. I heard someone say that it's your birthday, so I hope you have an amazing birthday. Hope you're doing well. Hope 2019 treats you and the fam well. And hopefully we will cross paths sometime soon this year. Happy birthday again. Bye. She's got the uh, the the blue twenty four valve. Well, twenty four valve R thirty two swap that Chad did over at SCI. Yeah, and she posted a picture up for sale of a car in what is it Lagoon blue? Is it Lagoon blue? What color okay. is that? Yeah, I don't know what color that blue no, is. No, that's that's not um, not BMP. What is that? Uh, I don't. Whatever. Anyways. It doesn't matter. But she, it, it was the same color as her car, and I was oh, like, everyone's freaking for like out. a split second, I was. Furious that she was selling her car, <laughs> but she's not, so it's, it's all good. Okay, very good. Hey, Chris, this is Dave down in Florida. Just wishing you a very happy birthday. Have fun. Talk to you later. Bye. I, I he used to he was in the Euroworks quite a while ago. He, I think he has a nine fourteen now that he that he toodles around in. Okay, really cool dude. Hello, Mister Cool. This is Elon Musk, and my PR team has recently told me that you are quite the, the proponents of my companies. And being the bigger man that I am, I thought I would call and wish you happy birthday. <laughs> that was Elon Musk. Are you sure that wasn't Bernie Sanders? <laughs> <laughs> that sounded exactly like Elon Musk to me, Chris. That's amazing. He that, was, in. that was Bernie Sanders <laughs> pretending to be Elon Musk. That was amazing. <laughs> I was calling to wish happy birthday to Chris and let you know you have an amazing life. I hope you have a great day on your birthday. Bye-bye. Some of these, I'm sure, are mysteries. Yeah, mystery. That one's a mystery to me. I'm not sure who that one was from. Hey, Chris. I thought I was calling in for the Bar Society podcast on Overcrest, but for some reason, uh, you're not picking up. So, anyway, uh, happy birthday uh, uh, from Greg Tividar and Rob Tividar and everyone uh, from Chicago. Wow. All right. Hey, man. That's some old school shit right there. I haven't talked yeah. to those guys in a long time. He uh, he was one of the first guys to do Air Ride 2 back in the day, and he had a, a Reflex Silver Mark IV Jetta that was lowered on Air Ride, and then his brother had a M, an M Coupe, uh, like a, M, a Z3 M Coupe. That right. was just fantastic. And the Bar Society back then was a was a group of guys from Chicago that obviously set the bar for oh, quality, okay. right? And all their cars were really, really good. Um, I know that there's uh, – I can't remember the name of the guy – I. That I shot for PVW. I don't remember off the top of my head, but he had like a really great Mark III, and then there were some other Mark IVs. You know, really like everything was like shaved and clean, right? And they were doing things that nobody else was doing back then. I would argue that they were building some of the best cars around. At that yeah, time. it's basically bringing the level of like the old school street rods to Volkswagen. Yeah, it was really really good stuff. Mister Chris, 
So I do know who that is because on Jess's Facebook thread, he's like, I I blanked out and then threw my voice and it was really weird. So okay, I for, I'm trying to remember who no, it was. Okay. But anyways, hey Chris, this is John in Kansas. Uh, I just wanted to wish you a happy birthday. I hope that everyone walks around telling you what you are about everything today and that your Porsche starts every time. Uh, <laughs> Just wanted to say that Megan and I have always appreciated your as well as your wife's friendship and everything you do, and we hope to see you soon. I hope I hope to see you soon is what that was supposed to say, but oh well. Anyways, say hi to Jake. Hi. Regardless, hi, Jake. One of your best birthdays yet, man. Have a good one. Bye. So he... Hello, Chris. Happy birthday. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, I was just calling to see that I just noticed that... Jake gave you your birthday present early and by ruining his 9-11 by putting some <laughs> awful decklet on it. I haven't seen what it looked like, but it's not the factory tangerine decklet. So whatever it is, it's going to be awful. So anyways, uh, hope you have a great birthday and we'll talk soon. Take care. Bye-bye. We'll leave it at that, Lewis. I, I'm with him. I'm with him. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> My wife is too. <laughs> <laughs> the, the world is against you. The That's world is fine. against you. Someone has to be the outlier. You should just drill. You should put a. Uh, you should see if Rensport will sell you a engine grill uh-huh. to go on there that has a bunch of holes. This is just in it. speed holes. I love it. Yeah, I think you should do that. I might louver this one too. <sighs> Gotta do louvers. Speed louvers. All right. We'll move along to news here. All right, let's do it. <laughs> okay. So as you know, we scour the web for the best automotive news so you don't have to waste your day doing that. It's 2019, and with a new year, you can now import new cars on the 25-year oh, What can we? What can we have? What's new? What's new There's on the list? There's one that I pulled out. This okay. is the only one that anyone the only needs one that to matters. know. Okay. The only one. This is a one-year-only car. All right. Here, of course, 25 years back, 94. 1994. So this is oh, this is kind of the first era of when OBD2 was creeping in. You know more about that than so, I do. Well, OBD1 stopped in like 1993. Okay. Should I make this into a quiz? Do you want to guess what this car is? I have no, because okay. I don't know. The Audi RS2. Ooh. The Avant, right? And this was built in collaboration with Porsche. One year only, 1994. It was Audi's 311-horsepower hot rod wagon. Now, that's a 20-valve turbo. It had turbo. the 20-valve turbo, 2.2-liter, five-cylinder. arguably is the... Let me think about this before I say this. Audi engine. I okay. will say it. Other than a small block Chevy, which has been a motor that's been around forever. Oh, you're going best I'm, I'm going bigger. So I'm uh, the, the small block Chevy motor has been around forever. It's okay. arguably the best engine, right? You can put it in anything. Right. It makes good power. It's reliable. You can get parts wherever you want. But arguably, this motor will last longer, make great power, and sounds amazing. There's something about it. It's just iconic. Arguably one of the best motors of all time. I, I, yeah. I just, it's, it, they're fantastic. So RS2, it could make sprint from 0 to 62, which is, of course, the European 0 to 100 kilometers, yep. in 4.8 seconds, which is still respectable Okay, so today. how much, how much what, what do they cost? Do we know? Whatever it takes. <laughs> no, we don't know. <laughs> because there aren't that many of them. No, they've got to be really expensive. But now Plus you can import them. You can. So now you can. So I'm sure we'll be Come seeing on, guys. them soon. Yes. Okay, so this is something... You messaged me before, and it's actually something we talked about on the podcast previously. Porsche will call its top Taycan, you know, the new electric car, a.k.a. the Mission E. They have the Carrera, so it's the Mission E Carrera, yep. actually Taycan Carrera. They have the four, the 4 Aster Carrera 4, which is going to be the four-wheel drive version. And, of course, the top of the line is the Turbo Oh despite yeah, despite yeah. the absent, despite the absence of a turbo or any sort of. Now we talked about this before. I know it's just a marketing thing, and we really. So I, I got so upset I was, about this. I right? did too, but I think about like in the eighties, turbos were new, right? But yes. everything was turbo. This turbo that it was like even your cereal was turbo, right? I mean, it's it's like everything was turbo. So if you kind of put it in that 
I'm, kind of I'm like so pumped right now. You read my mind. Are you turboed? <laughs> I am, but here, I am, but here's the thing. I'm hopped up and turboed right now. <laughs> but here's the thing. What is that? Nothing. Nothing is like that anymore. Nobody right. uses turbo as marketing. Right. So it's kind of shitty. But we shouldn't be surprised because, as you said, in the 80s, the word turbo became so culturally significant that its use spread to plenty of non-automotive situations. This was the best one I found. Are you ready? All you have to do is listen. This is a very new fragrance for men. (laughs) Turbo. (laughs) Fabergé. By Fabergé. Turbo. <laughs> Turn it off. This guy sounds like he's going to rape everyone. <laughs> everyone ever born. Turn it on. Turbo. By Fabergé. Yeah. It Whoa. delivers. <laughs> <laughs> right? What exactly is it delivering? <laughs> I don't know. A white, a, a white van? Oh my goodness. Whatever it's delivering is getting delivered in a white van by a very big man wearing a mask. That is what is being delivered. So But here's the deal. Turbo. That, <laughs> that entire thing doesn't exist anymore. That entire right. marketing. So so basically what this is is it's Porsche trying to capitalize on. But here's the thing. Isn't everything turbo now? Right. You're saying like that's it's not, become it's a trim not, level. Everything is turbo, so it's everything is Well no, no what's it's not significant anymore, right? It's not unique. No, because you had Carrera, which was the naturally aspirated, right. you know, th- flat six, and then you had Why, the turbo. You were talking P- Porsche. I was talking across the gamut. Por- uh, turbos are no longer like a crazy performance thing. No, no, no. Like every SUV on the road now has a turbocharged engine. Right. But, but you're saying even in the Porsche segment, you're right. Every it, 911 now is turbocharged except for the GT cars. So rather than be creative and come up with something new, they're just going to slap this badge on there. I wonder if it's going to be like the the 911 Carrera F4S turbo something like with the biggest badge across the entire back where it says a million things. Yes. Yeah. I wasn't listening. You weren't listening. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um next story here. <laughs> So are you familiar with the Denver International Airport and all of the weird conspiracy theories around it? No, I've been You're there. You're not? No, I've been there, though. You need to go down that rabbit hole. Everyone needs to type in Denver International Airport conspiracy. Okay. There's, like, the art is all, like, post-apocalyptic, and there's, like, underground bunkers that no one's allowed to see and everything else. Okay. Yeah, I've been to Denver as well. I like, never even thought about any of oh, this. Oh, yeah, you got to look into it. So anyways... The latest conspiracy, or not conspiracy, but weird thing, okay. is um, I gotta find where this is. So uh, there's, oh, I didn't know this. So there's also the big creepy red-eyed horse statue. You didn't know about this? I don't know anything about this either. So is this like a Denver Broncos themed? Well, because horse? a lot of this is like artists were commissioned to come in. And okay. This. But it's all really weird, like, oh, this has to be like the Freemasons and some underground society because it's all post-apocalyptic and everything else. So there's a giant blue horse with devil red eyes galloping, and that's like the center point of Denver International Airport. Okay. Okay, so it's really creepy, and it actually killed its sculptor by falling on him and severing an artery when it was being placed. So, but then they... So then they felt it's like it's still had- there. I don't know. So uh, some of the other artwork features. So the guy bled out in the airport. I don't know, Chris. That's well, just a byline. While you, you don't need to focus while on while it was being placed uh-huh. at the airport, uh-huh. the thing fell on the the guy who made it and killed him, and he bled out on the ground. I guess. Okay, I'm just sure. If we're gonna talk conspiracy theories, we might as that's well. That's not into a conspiracy. It. That's a fact that happened. <laughs> But it's just creepy. Okay, there's also like death-related themes, including a devil jumping out of a suitcase and a statue of Anubis, the Egyptian god of death. Like, this is the artwork. Anyways, so there was a woman, Natasha Gray. She was at work at the Avis car rental in a temporary position when she came out to see her her car gone. It was like, what happened? I literally had been at work three and a half hours, Gay told KDVR Denver. I was definitely panicking at the moment because I was really just wondering what happened. Then... About five months later, the car mysteriously reappeared. It was just there. It was just there. Sounds like a long-term rental by somebody. <laughs> Insurance <laughs> had already paid out on the loan. Denver police said they're investigating, but it's just another weird thing chalked up to Denver International Airport. My guess is that someone there was the keys were left in it. And you seriously just, think someone 
No. Someone took the car and drove it around for six. It's more likely that it got sucked into a black hole. <laughs> Is that what you're trying yeah, to tell me? Sure. It's far like it entered the event horizon and was barely able to return four months later. Right. Or yeah. Whatever. It, got, it got oh, it got like transported into the future. Into another dimension. So if you look at the clock on the oh. car, it's gonna be like no time had passed. Yeah, so it just basically jumped. Yeah, exactly. That's, That's what happened. Or someone took it for a long-term rental and drove it around the city for however many months. Like rental, meaning they stole it? The, yeah. Well, okay. Or did they place. like accidentally think this was a rental? Well, nobody thinks it's a rental, drives it around for months, and then brings it back and doesn't tell anybody. Because normally you bring back a rental, and you're like, oh, here's the keys. Thanks. Yeah, that scratch wasn't me. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I highly I doubt know. it. But anyways, moving on to the next story. Do you remember the 1,000-mile-an-hour Bloodhound SSC rocket car Yeah, yeah we've thing? talked about that a few times. So it's still a go. Wait, what? It's still a who, go. Who gave him the money? Yorkshire Entrepreneur picks up land speed project for undisclosed amount. So this guy, I mean, that's what I was saying when we were talking about it earlier. So I'm like, there's so many guys with so much money. Why isn't there some cool-ass dude that just comes along and funds the project? This is a cool-ass dude. Okay, who is this guy? Ian Warhurst. Wow, what a what name. A name. <laughs> <laughs> Ian Warhurst. Yeah, I like he's, it. he's from Yorkshire, England. He's a financier, and he bought the project for a, quote, undisclosed amount, according to the BBC. So it's still a go to try to hit 1,000 miles an hour on a rocket car. In Africa on some road paved just that for this. built, I guess. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm really excited to see where that yeah, goes. Yeah, it would have been a waste to oh, serious see waste. that go to scrap. Such a waste of time, resources, and, and intellectual you know, that's that's too bad. All right, we'll wrap it up after this last story. But this is like, just reading this headline should make you go, what? Okay. BMW and Porsche promise three-minute EV charging. What? <laughs> <laughs> Who does this? Who's BMW? And- An industry group composed of BMW, Porsche, Siemens, Alego, and Phoenix Contact. So a bunch of like a conglomerate agency okay. of all these tech giants, including Porsche, Recently demonstrated an ultra-fast charging station capable of delivering enough juice for a mid-range EV to travel 62 miles all in less than three minutes. That is a game changer. Yes, it is. It's about as quick as a gas station fill-up. So are these, uh, this is basically, um, this is battery technology, not software charging technology, right? I mean, so we're... This is hardware. Uh, It's thanks to a 450 kilowatt capacity. The consortium of companies unveiled this charging station in... Jet singing Bavaria. So, do we know anything about this battery? Is it like a solid state battery? Is it a lithium battery? So, how is this? Along with two modified EVs, one was the BMW i3, right? Is that the little one? Yes. Uh, Designed to cope with the charging capacity, but it still is able to use the regular combined charging system connectors. So, that's the standard three prong EV connector across the board. There's no no standard yet. Yes, yeah, there is. Since when? It's. That's always been a standard. There's, Have you seen I'm any talk, of like... I'm sorry. I'm talking fast charger stuff. Oh, yeah. So this uses the standard... This uses the standard plug, okay. though. Because the fast chargers are all different. Well, Tesla and that stuff, they're superchargers, proprietary. Right. Right. And so, so is Porsche. So about. is everybody. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the like standard one that you'll see at parking ramps where it's like EV parking only. Yeah. That uses the CCS connector, combined charging system. Did you see the the picture of all the, the diesel bros and their trucks? parked in the Tesla charging station parking lot, like taking up the parkings places? Did you see that? No, where was this? Okay, so there was like a bunch of dudes like, charge your Tesla, I swear, F you, and they they had their big diesel bro trucks, and they were blocking all the spaces in protest. Like, just incredibly immature. It is. I mean, yeah, come on. we rag on it, but that's just that's stupid. just too much. So, how many? Do we know how many volts are being put in? So it's four hundred and fifty kilowatts. So that's four, a lot. Four hundred fifty kilowatts, a thousand watts. So forty-five thousand watts. <laughs> are you kidding me? Wait, no. So, volts. I don't. Forty-five thousand volts. I am not an electrical engineer. I know. So we need to call calling, engineer Matt. Yeah, again. and find out what's going on. But anyway, so some people would say, well, oh, that's, well, that's only 62 miles worth of range in three minutes, right? But the charger can juice up the EV to over 80% in 15 minutes. Well, we already knew that. That one we knew. So Did 15, we? Yeah, 15, okay. 20 minutes, 75, 80%. We knew that. But that's okay. not... That's not tenable. No one's going to sit around for 15 no. minutes. But the and, fact that you can go to work for... 
Well, 62 miles. How many, the average consumer lives within 30 miles of their, so I mean, it's, I'm just trying to do the math here. Like, even if you gassed up twice. But here's the, here's the thing. Your gas, I, when I put gas in my truck, it's good for a week. I don't need True. to stop. I don't need to so do we're anything. still not there. Still not there. This is still, this, this is, is major, still a game though. charger. Yeah. Game charger? Did you say game, game charger? charger? Yeah, it is a game charger. <laughs> yeah. That's what, yeah, it is a game charger. Game charger. And with that, we'll end our news and our segment here. Yeah, I appreciate everybody tuning in on my birthday. Happy um, birthday. Thanks for putting, I didn't do anything for this episode, which, yeah. was, which was great. So that's a birthday gift to me as it is. want to remind everybody to hop over to iTunes, leave a five-star review, write us a few words. Um, Four-star and less reviews are not allowed at all <laughs> and then like we always say if you like this podcast your friends will too don't be selfish share it share it we really appreciate it guys take care